John Roderick. We speak to you from our present, which we can only assume is your distant past, the turbulent time that was the early 21st century. Fearing the great cataclysm that will surely befall our civilization, we began this monumental reference of strange and obscure human knowledge. These recordings represent our attempt to compile and preserve wonders and esoterica that would otherwise be lost. So whether you're listening from an advanced civilization or have just reinvented the technology to decrypt our transmissions, this is our legacy to you. This is our time capsule. This is the Omnibus. You have accessed entry 777.1C1115, certificate number Feels a little on the nose. Even well, it's a little Monty Python too. They would have. They I mean, I don't know what there. sounds like a Stanley Kubrick joke, given my idea of him as kind of a, it's <laughs> kind of a weird, <coughs> joke-free half, individual. Yeah, sterile, yeah. half-British weirdo. The term Merkin actually dates back to 1617, or at least that's the first recorded <laughs> instance. of I think it. it'd be funny if they knew that that was the date that some guy made it up. Because it's like Samuel Pepys in his diary uh, after uh, visiting with. Friends at the coffee house, we came up with a delightful new word today. <laughs> uh, no, in fact, it's um, you know it's a it's a, a word that kind of has a um, it has an etymology. It's it it it's an etymology somewhat in dispute. It's uh, probably from Malkin, which was a Malkin, yeah, which was a sort of um, Malkin Cockney, X? no, like a Cockney word for. Um, like a low class girl, but it also may be from American, Marykin. No, like American. No, like Marykins. Oh, like uh, I thought like you a, meant like uh, American. I'm proud to be American because at least I know I'm free. No, like a like a like a diminutive for the word Mary. Like oh, Marykin. Oh, I see what you're saying. <coughs> like, like like Munchkin or uh, do we use me. do we use kin for diminutives anymore? Yeah, Archiekins. Archiekins? Uh, yeah, which is what Veronica calls Archie a she lot of the time. She calls him Archiekins? Archiekins. When was the last time you read an Archie comic? She wasn't calling him Archiekins. Archiekins. If you ask me, gun to my head, what does Veronica call Archie? I would say Archie. No, she calls him Archiekins because it's a way of, uh, you know, diminutizing Archie. Is the idea that she's she's wealthy and she can use a little 
pet yeah. name for oh, him. Archie Kins. Like he's a little, he's a little lap dog. Yeah. It's a way of kind of putting Archie on his heels. What is, what does Betty call him? I think Betty calls him Archie. What, um, what does Veronica call Reggie? Reggie Kins? I think she does. I think she calls him Reggie Kins. I mean, not always. I think, you know, Jughead calls him Arch or, or Buddy or Pal. Do you think that's what mannequin means? Do you think it means a, like a little man? A mannequin what about a and pumpkin? a merkin. Is that a little might, pump? A pumpkin is a little punk. But, but you know, a punk, a pumpkin is actually called a pumpkin. Yes. So it's a little punk. You've never said pumpkin in your life. You I have, try not. You have a religious objection. Yeah. But, I guess, I guess like with the walrus bone show, we should point out to people listening to this in the, in the, in the minivan on the way to the St. George, Utah Costco with their six glacially blonde children. Right. If you are not familiar with the word merkin and have not yet pulled over to look it up on your phone, uh, this is another, this is another Usyk show where eventually we're going to say, um, eventually gonna, we'll have body parts in it. Eventually we're going to use some words for some genitalia. And so if you have, uh, if you have sensitive listeners or if you don't, or if you're eating dinner and you don't want to talk about this stuff, maybe go to the next, go to the next Ken show, which is probably about some kind of math equation that you can't, you can't really parse cause he can't parse it either. It'll be about something wholesome. It'll be about uh, Nor- Norman Rockwell, or yeah, yeah. <laughs> it'll be about the Quaker Oat guy. What's his yeah. deal? He looks so happy. <laughs> he is happy because he's regular. <laughs> uh, but this is a show, yeah. This is a show about um, the culture of hair removal, specifically uh, the culture of hair removal around the uh, the genital region. And what inspired you to, to, to bring Omnibus down into the mire of, of, uh, of pubic hair? Well, I think it's because we have a, we have a tendency to think of, um, of trimming body hair as a very modern affectation, right? Yes. It, it seems uh, a lot of, the, a lot of the, the cultural commentary around it is, um, is based on an experience of removing body hair as a, as a function of porn, or, uh, Cer- you know, certainly no one was doing it in 1978. Well, in 1978, they weren't, and we'll cover that in a, in a second, but, and, and, and by cover that, I mean, literally cover it. I hope we do. Uh, but we cover it with, uh, with, um, <laughs> <laughs> with a Merkin <laughs> with it. You didn't need a Merkin in 1978. No, America was pre Merkin. And I should say right off the bat that a Merkin is a wig for the pubic area. And, um, you know, it's a furry sort of undergarment or, or pasty that's, um, that's used to either replace or supplement, uh, your normal hair, your normal pubic hair. And I'm not, uh, I I know nothing of Merkins beyond like what they are, but, Mm -hmm. um, but is getting is getting them to attach a problem? I mean, different kinds of hair pieces have different kinds of glues. Glues. But I don't know how much glue I'd want to wear down there. Yeah, applying a merkin um, depends on how you're employing the merkin. Uh, so, take a drink every time John says merkin. So right off the bat, um, the idea of uh, depilating your nether regions. You're going to say it's not modern is, is not modern at all. It's actually, um, it's age old. And so what a weird thing, what a weird, painful thing to do if you didn't have to. 
Well, in fact, in ancient times, you did have to. Um, By force of law. Yeah. In some cultures, it was uh, mandated that people of the lower classes, in order to control lice. Oh, it's a hygiene thing. Were required to shave their pubis. And, um, people of both genders. Yeah, and for for centuries upon centuries, it was a, it was a class distinction how long your pubic hair was. Uh, in fact, Cleopatra was famously in her time very prideful about her luxurious uh, nether hair. It was a sign of stature because you know. She was not of the class that would have to worry about trimming it. Right. And she groomed it with, uh, with olive oil and combed it out into a, into a long beard. And because, you know, she was that, so... That never happens when Cleopatra's in movies. No, it's not a thing that, that you, you saw in the, Taylor in, <laughs> in the 60s. Um, but it was, it was a, 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 like a social sign of, of wealth and power. And so in... In Egypt, at uh, during this era, um, it was very fashionable for people to a, a fashionable sign of wealth that you that you had luxuriant pubic hair. It's funny that that appears to override what our aesthetic concerns would be. You know, we might think that it would be um, what seems maybe base or animal like. You know, that, that's kind of the axis on we on which we consider hair growth. You know, there's there's something brutish about a beard, for example, or well, armpit hair. It's or- it, it's funny to think of uh, of hygiene. This is for for centuries. It was all about hygiene, and you can see why that was that was life or death in a way that aesthetics were not. Yeah, and and it's just interesting to see how. And we've talked about this before. Like until very very recently, um, to be chubby was a sign of health and hardiness, and to be cut and muscular and thin was uh something that only a working class person for the same reason like right the 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 rubensesque uh man or woman obviously has stature yeah has all the food they can eat and it's rich food and they don't you know they're not out laboring in the sun same with suntans right oh yeah and uh, and isn't there one about um isn't there some classical era one about genital size like uh, Greek and Roman statuary, uh, the men are not very well endowed because that shows that they live the well-ordered life of the mind, right? And are not concerned with these the grosser animal doings of, uh, uh, you know, of uh, uh, Pan or, or Priapus or these these other mischievous gods. So, so, so a, a lot of our twentieth century ideas about what hygiene looks like, about what physical fitness looks like—I mean, they're really all post-industrial revolution, um, and and really like late twentieth century ideas. Uh, in e- even in the nineteen forties, uh, like a, a husky man. If you look at the if you look at the advertisements for suits, um, you know they're often the men are portrayed as kind of. Campbell soup face. Oh, like um, like George Reeves in the Adventures of Superman. Yeah, this was the fittest man we could find, America. Uh, in the fifties, a lot of the pinup of uh, pinup pictures of Rock Hudson or whatever. Yeah, they're they kind of have my build, uh, and so the idea of a of a of a leading man being being really muscular is. I mean, John Wayne was 
had muscles, but he was he wasn't cut. He had a dad bod. So so the same is true of of the idea of um, you know, uh, and and over the course of centuries, right? It's it's another way for fashion to 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 come in and out. But it's funny how it fools us. Not in and out in that sense. No. But, but you're right. Like, doesn't it feel so innate these um these fashion uh, and uh, uh, aesthetic uh like standards that we've that we've inherited maybe only recently? Like we're still so wedded to them, you know, like suntans are healthy, you know, or maybe right. for somebody a little younger, like suntans are very suspect, you know, but, but it's already baked into you. you know? It's, it's why this is, uh, it's why I felt that this was warranted as a omnibus. And in, 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 in a larger sense, it's an example of this sort of recency bias that, um, that we apply really across the board to a lot of our contemporary values. And we, often reflect back at people 50, 100 years ago and think of them as primitive, having primitive values, having unenlightened values. But of course, you go back 2,000 years and and people are just as intelligent and just as vain and just as right. fashion-consumed uh, um, as we are today. So there's no reason to think that no one thought of pubic hair grooming until 1997 it's been a function of of the, the the social milieu throughout. Before we get back to pubic hair grooming, which is not a clause I've ever said, hmm. uh, I wonder if the speed at which beauty standards change will start to slow or even flatten altogether now that there are now that there's you know kind of iconic moving video of beautiful people from all eras going forward. Now you know, like you watch silent era movies, and you're like, I don't these men and women are supposed to be attractive really like um the, the you know the best looking man was rudolph valentino and the best looking woman i mean they they all just have kind of these odd exaggerated looks that back then were the peak you know these women with bulging eyes or whatever like that was the peak of beauty in 1928 and today you just don't see it whereas i wonder if now that we're you know now that we still know and uh and kind of idolize the good looking men and women of the forties and fifties and sixties, you know, now that, you know, if Marilyn Monroe or John Wayne or Audrey Hepburn are still iconic James Dean, I wonder if that flattens out these changing beauty standards. And it won't be true that in a hundred years, people will, will look at our movies and think like, really? People thought Brad Pitt was hot. Weird. We certainly don't, um, We don't typically now shave our foreheads back to the middle of the crown like like Queen Elizabeth did. Right. That's not like the style exactly, unless Tilda Swinton decides that that's that's her next uh, her next look. But I, you know, if you think about just the 20th century styles, I mean, there were when flappers first arrived with short hair, it was you know it was a, an astonishing and and uh, risque development um but they weren't the first women to wear their hair short it just was in contrast to the styles of 1890 it, yeah the gibson girl with her long tresses right. but also it won't be localized anymore right like these much like other american standards of, of fashion and design these things are now spreading all over the world such that you know we've contaminated other places with our idea of what good jeans look like or what a good butt looks like well so so to jump ahead, the the current fashion, and by current I mean 
really late 20th century, early 21st century for, um, for almost completely depilated, uh, bikini areas, you know, the, the, the famous, and even for men, more manscaping bikini waxing and the, you know, the Brazilian wax, really these things are incredibly recent and they come from, you know, they came first from overseas. The, the Brazilian wax was only introduced in 1990 at one salon in Manhattan. You mean introduced to the U.S.? Introduced to the world. Huh. Um, it was, there was a salon that was uh, called the J Sisters Salon that was started by, or that was kind of the, the um, what, I guess the landing pad, the... the, the ground zero. The, 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 the ground zero of the bikini or of the Brazilian wax, which is a wax that almost completely uh, deprives the body of hair, mm-hmm. uh, except maybe in, in, you know, with, with minor sculptural, um, possibilities within a bikini wax. Uh, a woman by the name of Jania Padilla from Brazil and her sisters, Judcia, Judcia. Now I'm going to mispronounce these names because they're all, uh, they're all Portuguese names. This is fun for Portuguese for names. Portuguese speaking listeners. Uh, Judcia, Jusara, Jurassi, Josely, Joyce, and Jonise or Jonas. So why is it called J sisters? The J, the J sisters, um, who grew up in Brazil and, and by their own retelling of the story, you know, Brazil being a very warm climate, people are, you know, they, the skimpy swimsuit culture of the Rio beaches. That's right. And, and a kind of, and, and an accompanying comfort with the body, right? If you're, if you're out in the sun, if you're, if you're, um, if you're in a kind of bathing context all the time, you learn. And, and also if you're, if you're growing up in a favela where there's not a ton of privacy, everyone is much more comfortable with the, with the body and the bodily functions. This is, this is their self mythology is is the narrative that you are, um, you have to be pretty comfortable with many details of your own anatomy to go hundred percent Brazilian. Otherwise, otherwise more hair is a nice kind of masking mechanism where you don't have to face up to all the realities of what you got. No more, more that, um, that the, you know, a large pubic hair, a large area of pubic hair doesn't quite go with the advent of the bikini. Um, it's just, it's just messy. And the bikini is only in, in, uh, only, uh, since 1946 prior to that, most bathing costumes had a sort of skirt element over the, over the, uh, panty and, and for men too, you know, most bathing suits were, uh, what would you say? Uh, uh, shorts, yeah. right? Tr- not trousers exactly, trunks. but trunks. There you go. Thank you. So, um, you know, so body hair was, uh, like shaving the armpits is also as old as time. Um, for body life reasons and, you know, not as old as time. Well, as old, literally as old as time, the The, universe, 12 billion years old. If you, if you, if you look at, uh, at all the arrowheads, about half of those are actually razors to shave off body hair. Oh, Uh, uh, that was going to be my question. Like to what degree is technology, uh, 
driving these changes? You know, is it did the J sisters have to come up with new methods to de- depilate depilate a person? Boy, this is one of those words that I've uh, that I pronounce because I've read it. Is it? Um, yeah, it's depilatory. Depilat. Depilatory. depilatory, but that would make the verb depilation. But that would make the verb depilate. Depilate. Is that what it is? It is depilate. And I said depilitate or something like Decapitate. that. Decapitate. Boy, that's just so typical of me. Defenestration. To depilate. The, the depiliation of Prague. If you look at the, if you look at Greek and Roman statuary, I mean, almost all of the men are clean shaven. That's true. So does, does that mean the men were? So did the men themselves actually have no hair or has that just, I just assumed that had been like an idealized version of the form for art. You're saying that all of those statues were actually of bearded men and they were just they were just carved uh clean shaven because it's hard to carve a beard? Oh, you're talking about the face. I thought you were actually talking about the pubic hair on these on like Michelangelo's David. Oh no, I think that I mean there are plenty of Greek statues of women where they have no uh pubic hair. That's true. And there are uh, you know and the men have groomed pubic hair. Right. But is that, is that, do you think that's based on the actual customs of the people involved yeah, and I not, do. and not just, this is how we like art to look? No, I think it's, I think it's, um, I think it's historically demonstrated. There are Greek vases and murals that actually show people shaving or, or, their bodies. Or buying nair at the drugstore. Buying nair. That's right. Or, uh, we wear short shorts. If you dare wear short shorts. Nair wears short shorts. So, and, and later, uh, and now I'm casting back to um, to historical times. I mean, the the reason that the word merkin uh, came into you know par- the 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 parlance was that as um, as syphilis ran through the nations of Europe. Um, so the 18th 19th century kind yeah, of a thing, and and so prostitutes during this period were. Um, we're already shaving because of lice control. And then, uh, you know, syphilis, of course, produces visible sores. Oh, it's the idea that you can't hide a, a syphilitic body. Right. If, but if it's shaven. But you can if you have a merkin. And so this became a, a popular appurtenance or, um, you know, or I guess undergarment of a kind among prostitutes and they would have to, because, and this is, you know, uh, one of your early questions about how do you fix it, fix it, you know, you would need to actually glue it to oneself Mm -hmm. in order to, right. That's not a place where you can hide a a belt. Yeah. Right. You can't wear a, wear it as a, as a whole construction. Um, and so it became a kind of, uh, again, a class distinction and a kind of, you know, figure of fun or, a. Uh, it was it, it? It made it into the the more ribald publications because. So let me get this right. Our common use case is a sex worker who needs to stay shaven for lice and hygiene reasons, but also wants to conceal evidences of venereal disease. Not just conceal evidence of venereal disease, but appear to be a a woman of of higher, oh, class, higher class, right? I because see. again, the you know classier. So, I mean, social classes that were higher up than than prostitute, and is, uh, is it, is it w- would have worn their hair longer. And is it more like mascara, where everyone knows you're wearing something down there, but we we don't care, we like the look? Or is it more like a, a hairpiece, where the idea is to actually make people think they're seeing 
real hair. I think I think the latter, in the sense that most of the most sexual encounters happen even now uh, by candlelight. There's not a ton of um, even back then. It would have been darker still. Probably. Yeah, back then, and I think it was it was maybe and maybe the advent of oral sex was is also um, maybe less common um, at the time. And I think it was meant. I think it was meant as a as a way of fooling. Uh, but pubic hair was a fetish item during this period, so much so that um, that during you know, during the 17th, 18th, 19th century, um, it was like a, a little clip of pubic hair was thought of as a, a, a like a, 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 a talisman or a, a memory, a, um, you know, souvenir? you would, yeah, souvenir, you would take you or, or not just a souvenir, but like the, the way that Angelina Jolie oh. used to wear a vial of. Like a, of, like a love token. Like a love token, right. You would you would put it in a little locket. Would you give it to your beloved? Yeah. Or, I, I assume in most cases it's women giving to men just because of the style at the time. Yeah, or I think men taking a little clipping like, like my dear, may I take this little curl and carry it with me. This is a plot point in um, one of the Anthony Pohl Dance to the Music of Time books. Um, um, I think it's, but I think in this case it's a early 20th century, maybe American slightly depraved Hollywood type who, uh, who has this scandalous collection of, uh, of locks of hair from all the women he's romanced. But I guess that's an older trope than the 20th century. Well, yeah. In fact, uh, even now at the museum at St. Andrew, um, there is a little snuff box as part of their collection that belonged to King George IV, where he had uh, a lock of pubic hair from one of his mistresses that he kept in a little snuff box. At St. Andrews, like the golf course? Uh, what well, the college. Oh, okay. And it, uh, it, yeah, it survives to this day. I don't know how his wife, Carolyn of right. Brunswick, might have felt about it, but he probably kept, he kept it in a snuff box for a reason. I mean, it's great for DNA if you want to regrow uh, Hanover-era royal mistresses. Right. Like, who, like Jurassic Park. Who wouldn't do, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> Spare no expense. <laughs> um. So it was only, and I think, I think the advent of the bikini, a more recent motivation for, or it was the beginning of the late 20th century motivation for people to keep it at least scissored back or, or trimmed. Um, and that, that persisted throughout the sixties. And then, as you mentioned earlier in the seventies, a return to, uh, the and the political motivation or the the political social motivation of a return to nature uh a uh, a re, or a kind of rebuke of of vanity and and uh you know modern anti sex uh meant that that hairy bodies and um and hairy pubic areas again became a fashionable statement because i assumed it was just oh the technology didn't really exist you know there wasn't an easy way but what you're saying is uh people preferred it it seemed uh it seemed more what honest and it, it, it kind of goes with the hippie view of you know sex is something natural that doesn't have to be gussied up by all this artificiality and 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 kind of Funnily, it actually coincided with the um, with the arrival of pubic hair in Playboy magazine. 
throughout the 60s, you didn't really see pubic hair in the magazines. It was, you know, most of those nude pictorials were uh, topless. Yeah, they, they also didn't have not pubic hair. They were just ambiguous on the question. Right. And it was it was in the, you know, the late 60s, early 70s, and this was kind of a source of a lot of, of, uh, of hand-wringing at the time. But the, you know, the advent of pubic hair in the magazines kind of like foreshadowed a, uh, I don't know if you can even call it a resurgence, but a, but a new fashion for, for luxuriant hair. Wasn't it, um, our bodies ourselves or, or one of those 70s sex guides that famously had the extremely hairy couple, super hairy, like the, the, the guys got some ginormous, uh, you know, beard, like he was a major league baseball player or yeah. something. And yeah. And that was, I guess that was the definition of sexuality for a generation. Yeah, it was. And, it, and, and I think that you're onto something when you then equate that with maybe not when you say more natural, you say also kind of more animal. Um, oh, and, yeah. and that we were leaving behind the, cl- and, and uh, this is a seventies assumption about what sex was like in the forties. Um, a, a belief that people were repressed and that people were, sexually um uh ill-informed or naive uh and that's you know if you read hollywood babylon it turns out that's not actually what was going on on the ground well weirdly in 19 in the 1940s people had children (laughs) as a result of having had sex so there was sex happening even back to ancient times none of us would exist today if people hadn't had sex in the 1940s and a lot of that sex was not very repressed I think a lot of it was uh, actually. I take it back. We could have we could have gone with a we could have gone with a decade of no sex in the forties as long as people had been very procreative in the thirties and the fifties. We would still survive as a species. I, I think th- we could go ten years without. I think in the nineteen fifties, people made up for the nineteen forties. The nineteen fifties are going to make the nineteen forties look like the nineteen twenties. I mean, if we've learned anything in the modern era, it's that pretty much any object can be fetishized and mm-hmm. become a repository for sexual energy and fascination. And that's certainly true. I mean, if, if, you know, if, uh, if a Pokemon can be fetishized or uh, a pair of overalls, boy, or whatever, can it. then certainly like a, a look of a certain look of pubic hair is, is ripe for that kind of fascination. Ken, your hair is looking good. It didn't used to. Your hair looked terrible. It used to look really bad and now it's looking full and puffy and, and, uh, what, what, what are you doing differently? I feel like my hair was getting a little bit thin, mm. um, but there's something you can do about that now. Again, we live in the future. It's an age of wonders. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, not all of us have the opportunity to be on national television. And I don't know, with all of the kerfuffle and hullabaloo, have you thought maybe that your hair was playing a role? I do actually get seen from behind a lot on The Chase, which made me think about... Uh, whether or not I was getting a bald spot up there, but there's no, there's no shame if you do. Two out of three guys are going to experience male pattern baldness, like in their early thirties, right? You know, and then it just, it just the numbers tick up from there. Um, so while you still have hair left, it's it's really hard to get it back. But while you still got it left, you can, you can slow that roll, slow the roll, and uh, and even re- in some cases reverse hair loss, reverse the roll by getting FDA approved uh, medicaments. But where do you get them? I mean, do you go to the drugstore and stand there just holding up different medicaments and trying I mean, to figure out what to it's do? It's worse than that. Sometimes they even require a prescription. Um, oh. 
So I recommend Keeps. So you don't have to go to your doctor's office to get a prescription or consult on which remedy is right for you. Yeah. With Keeps, you just do that doctor's visit online, and then the medication gets delivered straight to your home. Oh, um, that sounds a lot better. No drugstore lines, uh, no doctor's visits. Uh, it's uh, it's the right way to do it. Is there any other uh, hair loss uh, purveyor that has more five-star reviews than Keeps? Yeah, there's several. No, <laughs> of course not. Lol. Let me tell you, Keeps has more five-star reviews than any of its competitors, more than 100,000 satisfied clients. Uh, you know, they pass those savings along to you. John. Is it expensive? No, the treatment start at just $10 a month. And let's off- should we offer our listeners uh, a little something here? You know, I'm feeling generous to our listeners. Why don't we give them, let's say... Your first month free. I don't know. That's a pretty good deal. I think so. Let's do it. Let's do it. That's just for our friends at Omnibus. We can afford it. If you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com slash omnibus and receive your first month of treatment for free. That's keeps.com slash omnibus. And Ken and I are going to ensure that you get your first month free. keeps.com slash omnibus. Because this is a taboo conversation and because it happens within the boudoir and, and is, you know, is something that men are showing off their little snuff boxes and women are giving one another grooming advice behind, um, behind drawn curtains, um, it, it is then susceptible to a lot of uh, misinformation, a lot of assumptions, a lot of presumptions. So that in the 1970s, the idea of, the, of sex positivism and of body positivism seemed novel. And lar- largely, I think, or maybe not largely, who knows? But, but again, it was the narcissism of, um, of your space and time to believe that, you know, to, um, to have uh, natural sex or to think of it as something natural and unaffected would have been, and we think of it looking back again, because it's a taboo conversation. We think of this progression as having been a very modern one. And prior to this, it would have been, you know, a loss to the, to the, to an age when people in their naivete wouldn't have even considered, but it can't be that different, right? It's a, again, I mean, if, if it's, uh, it's a drive analogous to like, Eating. So, you know, the, the table manners can change, but the appetites are not going to be all that different. And the fashions will be cyclical more than evolutionary. There's right? only so much you can do with the body to adorn it. And once you've cycled through piercings of different kinds and tattoos and, I mean... Piercings and tattoos are ancient as well. And shaving one's hair, as soon as you were able to do it, of course, you would begin to practice it wherever you have hair. And and sometimes it's a, a sign of wealth and privilege to have it. And, and, and frankly, only recently was it a sign of wealth and privilege to not have it. Well, I mean, one troubling angle here that we haven't discussed, and maybe you're going to get to it, is the association of different um, body grooming choices with youth. And I mean, that's, that's possibly kind of a queasy angle to shaving and waxing culture. And it's a, and it's a very modern uh, academic critique of porn and um, and the Brazilian wax. But don't you find it persuasive, given male predilection for younger and younger partners in other 
areas? I think when you think of it, when you think of this as grooming that is indicative of wealth and status, it's at least a, as persuasive that in the past it wouldn't have been thought of as a as a sign of virginity so much as a sign of of low class or, you know, unhel- lack of health. Right. Um, and uh, again, in the 1970s, I mean, I'm sure that there were plenty of uh, teenagers that couldn't wait for their back hair to grow in order to... You I think know. you're revealing a little too much about yourself, but I <laughs> no, guess that's again, what podcasting is. Again, I'm very blonde and do not have, <laughs> uh, do not have a lot of this to to it's true we display. like we have very little you blonde people like you and i have have m- fewer options or at least less striking ones when it comes to pretty much any body hair choice but back to the j sisters Sorry. um they they arrived in new york and they had a little uh they had a, a originally it was a it was a spa salon where they were doing nails and and um you know pedicures and whatnot and they were famous in their time for um, this kind of again, what would what would be a um, uh, probably ancient practice of of giving advice to their clients, kind of whispered advice about how to how to appeal to their uh, appeal to their man. So I don't you know, know if that's what I want to be happening on the waxing table. Whispered sex tips. Well, it was it was kind of pre waxing. Um, they uh they were you know they were first kind of kind of famous for um for having a sort of brazilian almost uh almost like centuria take on how to how to seduce so you know they had all these kind of like whispered secrets like if you tie a red ribbon around the corner of your panties it will you know, inflame your lover and a green ribbon will increase his likelihood that he'll shower you with gifts, you know, this kind of. Okay. And so they became kind of not notorious, but like, uh, it was, it was a secret insider. This was their first, their first brush with fame. And And it sure seems like it ties into kind of, uh, American stereotypes about the yeah yeah right the, uh, the, the, the sexy uh, exotic seven Brazilian sisters Latin who, lovers yeah although it was yeah it was kind of their innovation and it was it only became uh, fashionable among Manhattanites because as you know Manhattanites are always looking for some there's to, if there's a place that'll charge eighteen dollars for a peanut butter sandwich that's right they will all go looking to relieve their boredom somehow but there was actually a patient zero. Um, uh, uh, a young woman by the name of Sari Markovitz, <laughs> who was, uh, who already went and she's in the historic how, record. How does, not, she, how does she feel about being the, the not, heroine of this story? I'm not outing her. She's, she's given interviews to the effect, but in the, you know, in the 1990s, she was already a client of the J sisters. And during one of their sessions, Jania, um, said, Hey, I'd like to try this. Uh, this process I've been practicing on myself with, and she'd been practicing using wax, hot wax, which, you know, has long been it's used for leg hair, right? Yeah. has long been used as a, as a depilatory. That's right. Uh, but she had begun to use it sort of as an overall treatment of the entire region below the belly button. And she, uh, she convinced sorry that this was like a thing she should try. 
and uh, and so they didn't have a place in the salon. There were there were no tables yet dedicated to it, and so she actually got up on the desk in the office. And this, this desk is now on the Smithsonian. That's right. And this whole this this ex, this experience transpired. And Sari was a you know a kind of Sex in the City style young woman on the scene, and she went out to lunch with a group of friends uh, the within the week, and was extolling the virtues of this experience because again, there's a hygiene element to it, but it's a modern twist on it. It um, it's rather it's the than, opposite, yeah. yeah, rather than than combating lice, it now seems like something that a, that a wealthy and modern person would have the luxury to have this process and be clean. And I thought to myself, truly clean. If I could clean all the hair off my body, why couldn't I clean big out of my life? That's the sex in the city ending. Right. Well, and so, and sex in the city, as you say, like has a, has a real, plays a real role in this. The woman who her friend uh, uh, in her group of friends, one of them was a writer for L magazine. Mm. And the following week went in for the treatment and then wrote a piece in L. She did it just to get the treatment. You know, she was loving, she was, she loved the experience and, you know, and, and it was a, it's a very tactile experience. It, it, it's been reported that it's a very, um, uh, what, what is the word I'm looking for? It's a very erotic experience. You know, it's a, it's a, it's affecting this region that's, that's, very sensitive and very, it feels like that's the take on her piece that the process itself, the the spa treatment itself is pleasurable. No, but that it is a part of a spa treatment that in, in, that on the whole is pleasurable because you're treating yourself to this, to the, to the luxury of it. And so the same same way you would like a slice of cucumber on your eyes or, right. Or something nice on your cuticles. Right. Or a long massage. And so as a result of this L magazine article, it becomes all the rage among uh, models and celebrities of the time. And the list of, you know, of clients of the J sisters uh, sort of encompasses all of the supermodels of the, of the nineties and all of the hip, you know, the hip cats. And it, it then is uh, uh, the subject of a sex in the city episode, but also no less a star than Gwyneth Paltrow comes out extolling the virtues of this process. It, you know, she says, this is, this is transformed my life. This is the first time we discovered this about Gwyneth Paltrow, right? That she would want to write a lengthy blog post about every, uh, weird placenta based thing she ever did. Right. This is her big, this is, this, this is the thing that puts the Brazilian wax on the map is a combination of the sex in the city episode and Gwyneth Paltrow's, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow's famous quote that the Brazilian wax was life changing. Um, and all of a sudden it became de rigueur. So it's only 20 years old, really, that this, um, that this cultural practice was widespread verging on universal in, you know, in, uh, in Western culture. And it coincided with a lot of things that that feed into uh, the cultural criticism of it. Namely, you know, this is also the dawn of a, a huge explosion in the availability of of porn. And this was, you know, this the 
the transition to more and more trimmed pubic hair was also happening throughout this era in porn. Um, you heard supposedly, supposedly, uh, but it was also, you know, it was happening in fashion. Um, and you know, trimming body hair isn't just a Western, uh, habit. It's, uh, it's within Islam. It's considered a kind of, um, like clean of body hair is part, it's called fitra. It's part of the Islamic doctrine of purity. Um, it's there, it's, you know, it's present in Hindu culture. It's present in African culture. So it's not a, you know, it's not an affectation just of wealthy, uh, British or Manhattanites. It's, you know, it has, uh, it has, uh, well, and again, as I say, it's a very natural thing to, to ebb and flow within the culture. And today with, um, you know, for the first time there are bathing costumes and other outfits that are actually skimpy enough where it has utilitarian value, the less you have, you know, as opposed to the opposite, which would have been true in, in times when it was associated with good hygiene. Well, the era of the, uh, of the, the G string, you know, you saw a lot of thong, uh, underwear, 10, 15 years ago. And you know, this all kind of, I did not, you did not know, but not. you could, no, you would. Sometimes you'd go to Le Piché and there'd be someone sitting on a bar stool and you're <laughs> like, Oh true. my God, that <laughs> underwear is just sticking out of the top it's of her. It's like lo- three inches above the jeans. Low rise jeans. But now we're seeing, um, the potential for a backlash. Uh, even Gwyneth Paltrow has, kind of recanted and has been making the rounds talking about how she's letting her, uh, you know, letting she's Let it grow. partly as an, as a expression of like, I'm at an age where I can be lazy about this. I'm not, you know, the paparazzi aren't going to follow me out on the beach anymore and I'm just letting it all hang out. I mean, she's also selling candles that smell like her genitalia. Though, oh so. dear. I didn't know that. So I don't, I don't know if she's, hundred percent a role model in this regard. But what's been what, one of the technologies or a couple of the technologies that have also kind of developed alongside this are the depilatory technologies of laser hair removal mm. and electrolysis, both different methods. What's a, what's electrolysis? It's a, you, it, it's, it's what it sounds like. You zap the follicle. Yeah. You zap the follicle and disable it. So it can't, Oh. Uh, it, so it, it doesn't grow hair and lasers the same thing, but with heat laser is the same thing except with, with heat or, you know, yeah. Radiation. And of the two actually laser hair removal disables the follicle less effectively. Electrolysis is the more permanent hmm. method. Um, but both, you know, a laser will, um, the hair will eventually regrow and, 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 and it comes back, you know, thinner and softer, small. I mean, it's a, it's a thing that we can rebuild him. Yeah. Both thinner, softer, both treatments require that you, uh, you you do multiple treatments, but these have been part of the, you know, the spa based grooming, uh, you know, sort of menu of options now for long enough that there's kind of a whole generation who have come up thinking that, uh, a lack of pubic hair in its entirety uh, is not not just stylish and um, and hygienic, but you know, kind of an an eternal enough object uh, 
It's the default. Objective. It's the default correct aesthetic of beauty. Right. That you would um, that you would undergo these treatments, which are more or less permanent removal of hair. And, and I'm sure cannot be comfortable anywhere on the body, much less there. Well, hilariously, or I mean, maybe it's not hilarious, but uh, I was surprised to discover that those treatments really aren't very painful. And are, I mean, you know, there's a, oh. there's, there's a, there's a little bit of redness, you know, but you just look at your phone for an hour and it's not bad. Yeah. And then by the next day, you're sort of all, I mean, it's, it's probably less painful than waxing, huh. but what it is, is especially after you undergo, you know, the multiple treatments, it is permanent. And so if you, as a, you know, a 24 year old completely, um, took the body hair away and, uh, you know, the, I should say these treatments, you know, men use them too. As you said, there's, there's, uh, there's a, a lot real, more manscaping options. That's then. right. A, a real movement toward eliminating body hair across, across your whole body. And they, these are, this, these would be expensive treatments if you were starting it from your neck down. And it going shows, to your ankles. It just shows what a dumb construct is because, you know, we don't think of hair as undesirable in other circumstances on a man. You, know? you certainly want it on you, top you, of your you head. You would want a thick head of hair. You know, we, had, we, we had assume a thick beard is admired, but we think there's, you know, something icky about it in other places. Well, and, and it's the same hair. I think the experience of people that have had the work done is that, you know, your skin is very, it's a sensitive organ. And the kind of cleanness of it, the, it, it, it's, it makes the experience of touching more sensual. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's, um, there's less friction or maybe more friction. There's less, there's less hair in the way. Um, <laughs> there's less, I don't know. Uh, there's less rug burn. There's less rug burn. But what we're seeing now is, um, Potentially the return of the Merkin, um, the Returkin, not because, uh, not because you're trying to hide your syphilis sores, but because the fashion seems to be changing and more and more celebrities are, um, are letting their hair grow. (laughs) The ones that didn't letting your hair down, get them all, uh, get it all lasered away. And the ones who did now. Their only option is artificial hair. Is that what you're saying? So you're seeing it in in fashion. Uh, like uh, Merkins are being used. So Merkins are, uh, I should say, very, very popular in Hollywood because almost every actor who is required by the scene or at least impelled by the Boy, director. It was really important to the character. <laughs> um, that uh, that appears nude in a, in a way that their, their pubis is um, visible – They've been wearing. I never wanted to hear the word pubis so much. <laughs> they've been wearing uh, Merkins for years. I see. And you know, if you think about Basic Instinct or a lot of shows where you see, I don't. You do. You I think don't. about Basic. I don't think Instinct. of any of those '90s uh, erotic thrillers. I don't think about Body of Evidence starring Willem Dafoe and uh, no, Madonna. Don't. I don't think about Sliver with mm. Sharon Stone. I, don't, <laughs> I would never think about any of these movies. A lot of those Merkins are are are. Um, Constructed out of lace and worn as a part of a panty, uh, you know, an invisible kind of um, garment that allow the actresses to right. appear naked, but, w- but while but maintaining not actually be naked. Yeah, uh, and and in, in particular movies that are period pieces where you would, you, you know, you're. Um, I, I haven't said the word bush yet. I should do it now. Uh, 
where the we've talked uh, about Bush before on the show, but usually it's about Iraq and Afghanistan, right? The, the Bush in this case being your your verdant uh, glade. Uh, you know, depending on the the era of the film, if you're making a film about World War II, you're going to have a different uh, covering. That's true. You're going to have a different region than you would than a typical actor of the of the present. You're going to spend a wear. day with a costume person, right. and then a day with a merkin person looking at the historical record. And really, most merkin, most high high grade merkin are made out of human hair. Are you implying that the plural of merkin is merkin? Yeah, I believe so. Mo- that, most merkin. Is that true of gherkin as well? <laughs> I believe it is. I would like to eat three gherkin with my Please sandwich. Please bring more gherkin to my table. To my merkin. Um, in, in, in like historical merkin were made out of horse hair or goat hair. Uh, but human hair has always been the prized uh, source of sure. merkin hair. Just like nicer wigs. It, uh, to the extent that this was one of the profit centers for people who were grave robbers. This is back in the you know 18th century. Uh, grave robbers were out looking for old uh, rings and necklaces, but once they had unearthed a, uh, a corpse, they could shave the hair. Oh, wow. And, the hair survives. Yeah, huh? and sell it as, as merkin hair. Uh, <laughs> And merkin hair would then be, you know, straight hair would be, would be more or less permed in order to duplicate the the effect of real huh. pubic hair. But uh, and and so so now we're seeing merkins arrive back on the scene, and it it feels like maybe this episode of Omnibus is right on the cutting edge of a return of more uh proli- prolific uh body hair you want you want to prepare for the you want to prepare the future for the because right. we're we're at a cusp right now you think merkins have always been part of the drag community because it you know a, a, a drag artist would use a merkin to kind of um you know simulate whatever gender they were they were uh performing mm-hmm. as um and all of this is now creating a kind of, I think, a uh, a vibration, if you, will, if you will, in the culture where um, potentially there will be a demand for uh, for expensive designer merkin. We'll call it the triangle trade. As uh, as as more and more people are are maybe ruining. The decision in in two thousand and seven or two thousand and seventeen to have themselves depilated. I would assume the trend is going to be toward uh, you know no wrong answers, just just like it is in many other aspects of of life and and sexuality and attraction in particular. You know now there's going to be nothing wrong with admitting you're the kind of person who prefers this kind of grooming or prefers a partner with that kind of grooming. They're all going to exist at once which I guess means possibly a series of more and more versatile and outlandish merkins. Well, with the, with the caveat as we've, as we've kind of um, discussed throughout the episode that everything to do with the body now is political. Hmm. And so um, there are, as we've, as we've explored over the course of this, the run of this show, um, there are as many theories as there are grains of sand on the beach. And depending on, what uh you know what theoretical take on right. body positivity sexuality does it count as virtue signaling if you're only signaling to 
people who can see in your pants? Well, it may be that you're that you're wearing your merkin to the beach with a tiny bikini and let the world, uh, you know, let the chips fall where they may. But it is, I think, already, you know, wearing your and this has been true since the '60s and '70s. Wearing your body hair is a political statement um, because it it true of head hair for about the same time, by the way. Yeah, right. It it feels like you are actively um, thwarting what you imagine to be the aims of the beauty industry, the aims of the, the, um, you know, the, the, the male gaze. But if it's all reaction like that, then it is just going to ping pong back and forth between the poles. Right. And it will very much depend on what message you're trying to send, which, you know, in a way is what it's always been. It's true of every aspect of grooming. It's just, um, yeah, as you say, like there, there will now, now all things will coexist, but it will be another way of flying a flag. I'm imagining a future like Planet Earth style documentary describing, you know, the male uh, looks for the signaling on the female of the, you know, <laughs> of a certain kind of, uh, you know, Merkin is mating ritual. Right. Which, which, uh, which one of my potential mates will want to have seven children and which one of my potential mates will want to open a dog grooming facility. And that concludes Merkins, entry 777.1C1115, certificate number 33732 in the omnibus. Futurelings, if you're still listening at this point. <laughs> Futurelings who have a strong stomach. Hello. I don't think it's, it's not a matter of stomach. It's just, would you want to hear two middle-aged guys uh, like uh, shoot the bull about Merkins? Maybe. I think most Futurelings most futurelings will, and including those who maybe turned this off in the car, but will return to Omnibus After Dark. Please please feel free to send us firsthand uh, Merkin testimonials that we were not able to provide. I don't know how much you want to say that, Ken. <laughs> we're going to get some lockets. <laughs> lockets. Uh, if you, um, yeah, podcasting metric does not allow us to see like a, a, a presidential debate or maybe a, a Super Bowl would, you know, it doesn't let you see the ratings decline over time. Right. Over the course of the event. Do, do you feel like this is the, the sound of brakes screeching on the highway? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, if you're, uh, again, uh, speaking of fashions of the time, we were on social media, uh, displaying our own grooming and virtue signaling at mm-hmm. Omnibus Project or uh, I'm at Ken Jennings. You can find John uh, at his Patreon, patreon.com slash John Roderick. Uh, the Patreon for the show is patreon.com slash Omnibus Project. Um, Ken we, is by far the cleaner of the two of us. Wouldn't you say you're just, you're like, like hi, uh, hygiene wise? Well, no, I mean, we both have good hygiene. We both but showered I'm, this morning. I'm talking Not about together usually. Typically, no. Uh, I'm talking about just in general, you appear more regularly. I mean, you get a haircut more regularly. You you never grow a beard. No, but that's just, again, like that's nature. I, I, I don't have the choice there that that some people do with their... My beard is is pretty scraggly. Mm. So yeah. maybe I need... A, what would you call a face merkin? Face merkin? A uh, face merkin. That's what I need. Mm. Um, so you can support the show uh, at... Patreon.com slash Omnibus Project if you want to continue its furtherance or possibly further its continuance. Maybe maybe you should, uh, you should if you are supporting the show, you should double your support to account for the 
25% of the listeners who have bailed on Omnibus it's after true. Uh, even the if you Usyk show. Even if you didn't like this, this particular entry, consider, if I hated it less than others, how can I, how can I make that support known? Uh, you could email us at theomnibusproject at gmail.com. You could certainly um, send us things. Here's something we got in the mail. It's a card from... From whom? Oh, there's no name on it. Oh, there it is. Christy. Christy visited Yellowstone. Hi, Christy. You, you didn't get to go this week because of traffic, etc. No, I was trying, but I didn't make it. Uh, and she went to one of the penny squisher machines and got this... Um, what am I looking at here? Old Faithful. It's some kind of... Uh, canyon in Yellowstone. What is it? Grand Canyon of the Yellowstone, I think it's called. Mm. Uh, it says Yellowstone National It's a squished penny. And after she squished the penny, her mother came over and said, are you sure this is the penny you put in? So apparently... Oh, right. Apparently the, my my uh, messaging on the conspiracy right. is uh, spreading. Uh, are you sure this is the penny you put in? You know, I'm going to start walking up to people in airports and just whispering that as I walk past. Are you sure this is the penny you put in? What's the frequency, Kenneth? We also got a note from Chad in Mobile, Alabama. I said that wrong before. Mobile. 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 Um, Moving from Portland to the Midwest and sent us, uh, has been listening to Omnibus a lot on the trip and wanted to send us a a Mobile, Alabama postcard with pelicans on it. Oh, there it is. Look at those pelicans. Thank you so much, Chad with two Ds. The famous Alabama pelicans. We are now breeding Chads with two Ds? I didn't even know science had advanced. Where are the two Ds? Is one of them in front of the C? Yes, there's a silent D in front of the G. (laughs) Da Chad. D apostrophe Chad. The Virgin and Da Chad. Uh, You could uh, also find your... uh, So, yeah, if you would like to send us similar items, that's P.O. Box 55744, Shoreline, Washington, 98155. Did I say that already? You Um, said it earlier in the episode when you you said, send us all your pubes in an envelope. uh, Did I say that? That doesn't sound like me. No, that wasn't either of us. Uh, And if you remember it that way, it didn't happen. Uh, You can find other like-minded future links to complain about the show or others. at futurelings.com slash omnibus project. This, this was our 400th episode. Did I did I mention that earlier in the show? 400 episodes and we land on Merkins. What if this is the final show? Oh, I think I just said the URL wrong. No, it's just Futurelings on Facebook. Uh, yeah, which of the first 400 shows were your favorite? Probably this one. Mm-hmm. Um, on the site right now, people are annoyed at the way we said Cuyahoga, which mm-hmm. was wrong. And annoyed at uh, how we made jokes about the Boy Scouts because... Well, we said Cuyahoga and it's Cuyahoga. Cuyahoga? Well, I'm just going off of what R.E.M. said. That's what I said. Yeah. This is this is a Michael Stipe issue. You do not have a problem with us. Yeah. We're from the far west. We don't know all your... All your all, burning rivers. Yeah. We, we have our own Native American names out here that we butcher. How can we possibly be expected to remember all your ecological disasters? Um... And I think that's it. Did I do all the things? You did. All right. Future links from our vantage point in your distant past when we were all still shaving ourselves and didn't realize that really the fashion is to grow hair up to your eyelids. Uh, we had no idea how long our civilization survived in this current form. We hope and pray that the catastrophe we fear may never come. But if the worst comes soon, this recording, like all our recordings, may have been our final word. But if providence allows, we hope to be back with you soon for another entry in the omnibus.